before I forget, um, we have these uh, three by three cards over at the well. Uh, and for our connect groups during the week, uh, I sent out the prayer guides. Um, I finally got caught up with all of them, Israel. You should have them in your mailbox. So if you're a leader in uh, one of the uh, prayer uh, connect groups, grab a stack of these so you can take them to your prayer group and give them to each one that's there. Uh, but basically, since we're talking about it, there's a space for three names. You write three names of people that you know. You pray for those three names for three times a day for three weeks, and then you go share the gospel with them or talk to them about whatever's going on in their heart or life. Um, so they're at the well. And that's that table over there with the red tablecloth on it. All right, what else? Um, this week I, I discovered that, I was informed that the second shipping container had not reached uh, Chad. So the trip that we thought we were gonna have going to Chad in March won't happen until that second shipping container gets there. But the first one did get there and everything that was in it was on it. So it didn't look like anything had been pilfered. So that is a praise. Um, okay, that's it. Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven. <clears throat> a few a few weeks ago, and when we got to the end of Romans chapter six, Paul made this theological statement that we've been hashing out and looking at all the different questions that could arise from that theological statement. And you've heard me say it many times already, and many of us know it, have memorized that. And that's Romans 6.23. And that theological statement is, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you dig into that, that thing is just dripping with theology about a multitude of things. And Paul is hashing that out. He's, he's, he's explaining that to us, especially the part where it talks about for the wages of sin is death. And, and when we get into chapter 8, we'll see the second part of that. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord but and when we got into chapter 7 we saw a few weeks ago we saw that God or Paul explained the physical connection between life and death and sin and he used marriage as an example for that He's, we, we learned that as long as we're alive we're under the obligation of the law just as a wife or a husband is obligated to their spouse until their death, till one of them dies. And once one of them dead, there's no longer obligation to it. Then we saw that Paul anticipated another question there 
Um, and it was, is the law bad? Is it sin to us? And he, we learned last time that no, it's not bad, it's good. It's good for us to know the law because it reveals our sin. And this week we're going to look at another aspect of that or answer another question about that. And it says, did that which is good, and that's the law, bring death? And Paul's going to look at that and examine that question this week and that's what we're going to be looking at this week is that which is good and we discovered last time that the law was good and that's what he's the question is is that which is good bring death to a person so let's uh, read the passage and that's we'll start reading in romans chapter 7 verse 13. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7, verse 13. Let me get there. It'd be really helpful, I think. Romans 7, 13, it says, I was then uh, that which is good made death unto me. God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If when I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would not, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the, from the body of this death? In verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I serve my, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your law. We thank you that it is a 
a mirror that we can look at and see how we measure up. It's a standard that we can see of your righteousness. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, we ask that you'd help us now to understand your word. Help us to apply it to our lives. And Father, we ask that it would take root deep in our heart, that we would be changed by the hearing and the applying of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> Did that which is good then bring death to me? When we think about the law, we wonder, is the law what brought death to us? But Paul answers that in no uncertain terms, just as he has before. God forbid. May it never be. No, no, no. God didn't give us the law, and the God, law doesn't bring death to us. Notice also in this um, statement, this question he asked, that Paul explains it in a very personal way. Just as he did last week, this week he's using those personal pronouns, I and me. He's talking about his own experience with sin. And Paul wants us to know that he struggled with sin. Paul the Apostle struggled with sin. Christians struggle with sin. We struggle with sin. Sin is a struggle for you and me. You get the point that sin is struggle. We never get to the point where sin is not an issue in our life. We never get to the point to where we can say, you know what, I believe the gospel and now I'm good. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, we're justified. But now we're talking about sanctification. That's what we do every day. Every day we have to know, we have to rehearse the gospel. Because believing the gospel brings salvation. But it's what we believe about the gospel that gets us from day to day. Sometimes moment by moment. Okay? Because when we, when sin is revealed in our life, we have to go back to the gospel and rehearse that in our life. What is it that I really believe about the gospel? Sin is a struggle for you and me. Bodhi Bauckham says um, that our struggle is a great assurance to us for our salvation. If you're struggling with sin, wondering why on earth I keep sinning the same thing over and over. If you struggle, if you have that struggle, that internal struggle with sin, that's an assurance of salvation. But he goes on to say to the non-believer, he says, don't let that be a false assurance for you. If you've never 
put your faith and trust in Christ, don't let the struggle with sin be a false assurance. And what he meant by that, he says, don't say, well, don't say this. Don't say, you know what, everybody sins, so I'm good to go. Yes, it's true, everyone sins. But not everyone struggles with that sin. Not everyone wants to please God with their life. Not everyone wants to live a righteous life. So we can't use the excuse or be a victim of our sin. We can't do that. For the non-believer, please don't hide behind that. Know what Jeremiah 17.10 says, or 9 says. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. Your heart can deceive you. Please let the word of God sink deep into your heart right now and re reveal that sin that's in your heart. Let it be a mirror to your soul that looks deep down in there and reveals your sin, that it's very sinful. It's exceedingly sinful. Turn to faith, turn in faith and repentance to Christ. Do it now. Because you're not promised that next breath. You're not. The Christian does battle with sin every day because they do not want to sin. They do not excuse themselves by saying, well, everybody sins, or well, nobody's perfect. They let that sin do its work and bring guilt upon our soul and our life. Verse 13, he says, but it is sin that works in me. It's sin. It's not the law that brought death. It's sin that brings death. You remember that theological statement I mentioned earlier? For the wages of sin is death. Okay? It's death. It's sin that brings death. It's not the law. <clears throat> God graciously gave us the standard to make sin exceedingly sinful. He graciously done that. He did that for us. Okay? It's God's grace that he gave us a standard. And what I mean by standard is as, uh, you probably heard this illustration many times, but the Secret Service, one of their jobs is to catch counterfeiters. You know, the United States government has the Secret Service, and they don't show the, these agents all the counterfeit bills or possibilities to show them what they look like. They don't. They show them what a real bill, dollar bill looks like. And if you work at a cash register, your boss is going to show you some things about a dollar bill that 
makes it so that you know it's real. You ever go to a store and they take out this pen and they mark it on your $20 bill or your $50 bill to see if it's real? You know, it's a proof text. And for a Secret Service person, they know things on the dollar bill that some fine details that help them to know that it's the real thing. And that's what God's standard is. It's the real standard by which we can measure the, thought, the thoughts and intents of our hearts. As Hebrews says, it's quick and powerful. And it's a revealer of what our thoughts and intents are, intents are of our heart. That's what God's standard does. And that's the standard that he gave us. God's law is a standard by which sin is identified. Okay? And here's the rub. God's law is spiritual. And our life is carnal body is carnal. What I mean by that is our body is flesh. The carnal part of me is that part you can see up here. And the carnal part of you is the part I can see of you sitting out there. Talking about the flesh. Um, it's the part of me that you see and it's the part of me that's corruptible. My flesh, my whole flesh is corrupted. And our body is corrupted and bound by sin, it says in verse 14. And we're sold under sin. What that means is, it's just the same thing he said in chapter 6. It says that we can be the slave to sin. When you're sold to something or you're sold to someone, you're bound to it. And our flesh is bound to sin. It's sold under sin. It's a, it's a slave to sin. And Paul uses this, and this is the rub, Paul uses this to explain the struggle between the flesh, the carnal, and the spiritual. And there is, there is a rub there. Sometimes it rubs us raw, so to speak. It's a struggle. We struggle with sin. Paul says in verse uh, 15, he says, For that which I do not, let me read that again, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that, I, that, that do I. This is the struggle. Paul is explaining what that struggle is. He says, you know those things that I don't want to do? the things that I do do. And that thing that I do want to do is what I don't want to do. To help you to understand how many times have you got up in the morning on Saturday morning and you, you determined in your heart that this was going to be a good day. I'm going to do everything I can do to make this a good day. I'm going to spend time with my kids or my wife or and 
you get started in that and before you know it something happens and it just crashes and burns it just ends in an argument or a yelling match or people getting mad or angry that's what he's talking about it's that life everyday life that we want to serve God throughout the whole day but then we open our mouth gets us in trouble it's a struggle and that's what Paul is talking about and he says you know I, I have a good intentions I want to serve God but that flesh that carnal part of me doesn't want to and in verse 16 he goes on to say he says if then I do that which I would not I consent unto the law that is good that it is good when we do that when we set out to do that which is good but we wind up doing that which is bad we're consenting to the law that it's good that's the purpose of the law it reveals our sin Paul wants us to understand the nature of sin in us the law is good and our flesh proves it in our sin the Christian faced with a situation knows that his Lord would not have him to do sinful deeds. You know, I think it was Matthew Henry that said this. He said that, and I'm just kind of giving you my version of what he said. He says the Christian knows in his heart what's sinful and what's not. You know, you can say oftentimes in your heart when you think about when you have that 2020 vision after what you intended crashes and burns and you look back and you said you know what I knew that if I said that or if I did that it was going to be sinful I knew it but we go ahead and do it anyway our flesh the struggle that he's talking about <clears throat> and it's in our mind it's in our it's a battle in our mind we know what to do but we don't I was thinking this week about this and I was reminded of that song that casting crowns sings somewhere in the middle talks about a guy that He's at church and he goes to the altar and he's crying and repenting and all that. And before he gets to the door, he's already done something sinful. It's the way we are. It's the way our flesh is. And after he's done the deed, after we do that, our mind continues to convict us that struggle we're convicted by our sin we're convicted for that 
word that we said or that unexpected event that caused everything to go sideways. And when you, when you identify that unexpected event, for the Christian, they say, you know what? That unexpected event didn't make me do that. It was sin in me that made me do it. So don't be, become a victim when, you, when you're having that conversation with yourself. Don't let the unexpected thing make you a victim. You know, it really wasn't your fault. Because no one or no thing can make you do anything. Okay? We do it, on, we do it with our will. And that's that flesh in us. And that's because when we came to faith in Christ, we talked about this, that we were given a new heart. And that new heart had the law of God written on it so that we wanted to do it. We want to follow God's law. Written on our heart, on our new heart. And that's that convicting agent in us because we know what we should have done, but we didn't. But he says in verse uh, 17 and 18, he says, now, actually through 20, he says, now, then is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, Paul is summing it all up here. He says, you know, I've got this flesh thing that's battling or struggling with the spiritual side and he says now that it's verse 17 he says now then it is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me that sin dwells in you as part of you it's your nature verse 18 for I know that in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing our flesh is corrupted. For to will is present with me. You know, that's our mind saying, all right, this is what I want to do today. I want to follow God. I want to glorify God. But how to form it, how to perform that, we find not. You know, when that unexpected thing comes up, We don't know how to deal with it sometimes. When it comes up, you know, we, we don't find a way around it. That flesh just comes up and does its sins. In verse 19 it says, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. And he's just saying it again, that in a different way about talking about the flesh and our spirit. In verse 20 it says, Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more that I do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. It is resident sin. It came in our, it's in our heart. It lives within us. 
the sin, the flesh, has no good in it, is completely corrupted. Then uh, Paul identifies some, he kind of sums it up here, he identifies three laws, three laws here. And the first one is in verse 22. He says, for I delight, well, I skipped over one. The first law is in verse 21. I find then a law, a law that when I, when I would do good, evil is present with me. So there's a law of sin. There's a law of evil present in us. It's a law. In verse 20 says, in 21, he says, the law of present evil in the flesh. That's verse 21. Verse 22 says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So there's the other law, the second law, and that's the law of God. And it's after the, it's the spiritual part, it's that inward man that the new the Christian has and that he receives when he turns in faith in Christ, that inward man, that spirit. In verse 22, it says, the law of God that the inward wants to follow and delight in. That inward man that he's talking about, that spiritual part of man, wants to follow the law of God, but the flesh doesn't. Then the uh, third war or law there, he says, who can deliver or the law of war is that last one, verse 22. Uh, The law of war, the law of war, the law of evil in our flesh wars against the law of God our inward man. There's a war. There's a law of war in us. Because the law of God and the law of our flesh are not compatible. So there's always going to be that struggle. So if you thought at the beginning of this, I was going to give you some kind of formula that was going to help you or something you could do to relieve you of that struggle with sin, there's not. There's not. We're always going to struggle with sin. And that's part of sanctification. Each day, each day, there's that struggle. We're going to always struggle with our thoughts. We're always going to struggle with our mouth just running away from us and saying something. We're always going to struggle with going to the wrong place or looking at the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. We're always going to have that. And in that, there's good in it because God gave us a standard by which we can know and realize what it is. It's sin in us. Then he asks another question, the final question of this chapter. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
Who can deliver me? Who can deliver us from the body of death? And he answers that question in verse 25. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what I meant earlier. This is what Paul is saying. We need the gospel every day. Not only we need it for salvation, but we need it for every day. Because the thing that brings us justification, that belief in Jesus Christ our Lord, is the same thing that helps us with our struggle with sin. Jesus Christ our Lord. We go to Him. We turn to Him. We repent. We relent. When that struggle comes up and you're, you're rehashing in your mind, and you're supposed to be sleeping and you wake up and you say, why did I do that? That struggle when we can run to Christ and repent. And just as 1 John 1, 9 says, if we are faithful and just, we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness when you do that your soul feels like it's been washed that burden of sin is lifted just as it was when you came to faith in Christ that burden of sin is lifted. Just like Christian and Pilgrim Progress, when he came to that wicked gate, or went through that wicked gate, and he came to the hill where those crosses are, that burden on his back just rolled off. It's a relief. It feels like we've been washed. It feels like a weight has been lifted from us. Christian through Jesus Christ our Lord that we can defeat that struggle of sin in our heart and our life every day and for the non-Christian that weight that's on you of the burden of your sin can be rolled off from you and that's the second part of that theological statement I mentioned earlier the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God offers a gift to every person who will believe. Freely he offers it. So come, turn to him in repentance and faith. It says all that the Father gives me I will not, I won't let loose of any of them. All that come you'll no wise cast out. But he'll save you. Turn in repentance and faith today. Let's stand and we'll pray and we'll sing our last song. Father, again, we just thank you and we praise you and we honor you that you have given us a standard by which sin is identified in our hearts life 
thank you for that. And Father, we ask that you never let us lose sight of that, that we always turn to you and repent of our sin. It's recognition that we're dependent on Christ for our salvation, not on our good deeds, not on our good works, but it's repentance and faith in Christ. Father, thank you for that. And Father, we ask that you just take your word that was read today, that you planted deep in our heart. Help us find assurance in it. Help us to find salvation in it. Father, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.